You're listening to a message from Victory. God's character, commandments, and promised blessings do not change. Discover more about this truth in week three of our series, Remember This. Let's start off by opening our Bibles to Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Okay, this is in line of what God's message to His people prior to the silent years from the old and the new. And He was telling them, I want you to remember who I am because I'll be silent for how many years and then I'll, I'll come back and uh, bring the rescuer who will save the world from our sin. And so in Malachi 3, verse 6, He says, For I, the Lord, do not change... Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. The Lord tells us here of His very nature, that He is a Lord who does not change. He's a a God who's unchangeable. What that means is, He was saying, if I am a Lord who's very emotional, you're dead. That's the version. In verse 6, you'll be consumed. You're done now. You've rebelled against me. You've disobeyed me. But because I am a Lord who is gracious... I'm a Lord who's forgiving. I'm a Lord who, has, who is long-suffering. I do not change. Even in, in your rebellion, I will choose to love you. Right? A lot of people think that the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament are different. The God of the Old is very violent. The God of the New Testament is very gracious. It's not true. If you look at Scripture, again, in Malachi, you see here that this is a God who is very gracious. And He said, I am the Lord, I do not change, or else you will be consumed. So the Bible talks about the very nature and character of God that He does not change. And I know Malachi 3 is also used as a verse to talk about tithes and offering. And later we'll get into that. But that was not the heart of Malachi 3. It wasn't really about tithes and offering. It's about something far deeper than tithes and offering. It was God saying, here I am, I do not change. Because if Malachi 3 is all about tithes and offering, when we say God does not change, in Tagalog, hindi siya nanonukle. Which is not the case, alright? What he's saying is, hindi ako nagbabago. Hindi magbabago ang pag-ibig ko sa'yo. Okay? Parang kanta yun, nung 80s ah. Alright? I will not change in spite of what you've done. In spite of your rebellion, I do not change. In verse 7, he says, From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? I hope we get the very heart of this text. The Lord was saying to them, I want you to return to me. If you return to me, I will return to you. The Lord did not say, return your tithes to me and I will return to you. Or return 10% of your finances and I will return to you. What He was saying is, I want you to return to me. I want you. I'm inviting you to return to me. This wasn't about money. It was about us. He wants all of us. He doesn't just want a certain aspect of our life, like our finances or our love life, or our ambitions and dreams. He wants all of us. And so He invites us and He tells the people who are rebelling against Him, Return to Me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Now the the people who are asking, Lord, how have we not... Are we not okay? okay? Why would you say, why would you invite us to return to you? We feel like we've not gone far away. But the Lord was saying, you don't see your sin. And that's why I'm inviting you back. 
I want you back into my arms because I want you to experience who I am. Because you've gone far away. And they said, how? How can we return to you? And then the Lord says, okay, I'll give you an example how. Here's one part of your life where I feel like you've run away from me. He says, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. You're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? Again, they were asking the question, Lord, we haven't robbed you. We go to church. We help. I give my occasional 20 pesos. And in a good day, my 500 pesos. Right? How have we robbed you? And he says, in your tithes and offering. So, tithes and offering here was just an example of how they've run away from God. It's one of the great examples because most of us, how we handle our money would reflect our view of who God is in our life. And so he was saying, and the example I want to give to you in your own life is how you handle my money. In fact, not just my money, but the tithes and the offering. And he says, you're robbing me. You're under a curse. You're a curse with a curse. For you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. My journey with tithes and offering has been very colorful. Early on in my faith, I wouldn't give my tithes and offering. It was anti-Chinese. Right? It, was, it, was so, it was so anti-cultural for me to give my tithes. I couldn't understand. I've been a Christian for the longest time, but I would not give my tithes. I felt like, God, if you really want to bless me, why do I have to give? Because if I give, I lose. I don't gain. doesn't make sense. No matter how you calculate things, go get, Lord, go get. Right? It was late 90s, in the 90s, where, I think 97, 98, were totally changed for me. And that's why I preach this with such conviction. Because I wouldn't give my tithes. I was starting out in our family business. I was earning, but I couldn't give. Right? And then, Pastor Jure Mora, Preach on tithes and offering. And he said, it's as simple as this. God, in His generosity, gave you ten balls to play with. Oh, okay. And then he tells you, can I have one of the ball? But then, when we struggle with tithes, what we're really saying is, but Lord, it's mine. But the Lord is saying, no, I, I gave ten to you, I just want one, you can play with the nine. But Lord, I want ten. Now it made sense. Wow, how selfish I am with that object lesson. I wasn't convicted with the verse. I was convicted with the object lesson of how I could be so sugapa, okay? (laughs) How I could be so selfish with the blessings that God is giving me when He asks of me is only 10%, 10%, one of the 10 balls, and I couldn't even give it. It just showed to me my sin. And that's why when God says, return to me and I will return to you, He was going to the heart, not to the wallet. Because if I couldn't give 10% of my income, how much more my love life? My dreams, my vision, my plans. If I'm having a hard time with that one ball, for sure, I will have other problems with the other things that God has given me. 
And so He invites us, return to me and I will return to you. And an example is your finance. You can't even give. That's why since that time, I've never gotten into any debate and I never entertain any debate about tithes and offering. Of whether it's from the Old or the New Testament and later I'll explain why. He says, you're cursed with a curse. I go back to my own life, I review, and at the time that I was so stingy with God, I was living under a curse. I'm not saying everything I do failed, but my everyday life, it was always incomplete. I was living under a curse. I remember a night I went to the room of my parents. We live in Dasmarinas village, Makati, not Cavite. I knock on the door, I entered in. I look at my parents. I was scratching my head. I said, Papa, Mama, I'm poor. Sobrang hirap ko. They look at me. They scratch their head. What are you saying? Di ako tulad nyo. They came from a very poor background and worked their way up. But here was I complaining. Makati boy is complaining. And my mom looked at me and said, Do you know what you're saying? Do you have a problem tomorrow that when you go down, there's no food to eat? No, no. Yaya will cook it. May problema ka ba na nasa air-conditioned room ka natutulog? Wala, pero, pero, alam ko yun, ma. Pero, mahirap ako eh. I couldn't see it. It was a lesson that I learned that no matter how big your income is, if your mind is poor and your being is poor, you'll always think this way. I was living under a curse. We grew up that way because my parents were not Christians when we experienced business success. We would eat in a Chinese restaurant and when we would order soft drinks or juice, we were not allowed because it was very expensive. But my mom just earned maybe 100,000 that day, but we couldn't order a 60 peso pitcher of iced tea. You see? It was like, wow. Minsan, kukuha ka na lang na sachet sa bahay. Were we happy? We had perks. But were we happy? No. Because we need to work. We cannot rest. There was no Sabbath. Baka manakawan. Always on our toes, always on our knees needing to go to work. We couldn't go on a family vacation where we're all complete. Somebody need, needed to be in the store. So oral childhood, Hong Kong or Japan. Oh, but wala siya. Nasa divisoria, turn niya. Okay. Yes, there were perks, but at the same time, there was no fullness of joy in the midst of prosperity. It's a cursed life. Imagine if you made 10% an issue before the Lord. I'm just thinking, if he goes home or she goes home, if he's making an issue out of the 10% that God wants, how much more than 90% that his wife would want, the kids would want, the business would want. It's a cursed life. You don't need the business failure to say you're cursed. When money starts to control you, it's a cursed life. No need for other punishments. You would see how empty life is and there will be no contentment. 
Ah, scary to even live that way. And God says, you're cursed with a curse for you robbing me, the whole nation of you. 6.9 GDP growth. How come not a lot of people are experiencing it? Maybe because our God is money. We don't even give. 10% is issue. You see, there's a direct connection to who we are and how we handle money. You'll see, oh, that's the God that He worships. By your spending, by your saving, by how you, by your lifestyle, people would see who your God is. Because there's a direct connection to who we are and how we handle money and whose God we worship. The Lord says in Malachi, I, the Lord, do not change. This is me. Return to me, I'll return to you. I'm the same God who's so gracious. But I want you to believe in this. I, the Lord, do not change. Now, I want us to fast forward in the New Testament. There were a group of Christians who believed in this truth. They believe that God is the owner of everything. That the Lord does not change and the Lord will be faithful. That the Lord will bless them. And Paul made an example of them in 2 Corinthians 8. This was the church in Macedonia. I want you to jump there to 2 Corinthians 8 and we'll see how the early church lived out their life in view of the money that they had. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Paul was saying, God has given all of us in this room a gift. It's called grace. And you all know when you experience the grace of God, it changes everything. I know it's a song of victory music, but it's true. When I experience the grace of God, it changes my view of everything in life, including money. Because I understand, I I now experience the grace of God. Now I can sing, Jesus, you're all I need. Jesus, you're my everything. I will have full conviction because I've experienced the grace of God. And this is the gift that God has given the church in Macedonia. And then Paul continued on and says, they've received a gift. And it's called grace. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have resulted into what? Overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. What was Paul saying? Paul was saying they received the grace of God and now the church was experiencing a severe test of affliction. Paul was using key words to explain how bad it really was. He wasn't saying they were having a test of affliction. Paul said they had a severe test of affliction, which in the Greek word means tribulation. Tribulation means internal pressure that causes someone to feel confined. I can't move. Hindi ako makagalaw. Gusto ko mang gumalaw, hindi ko magawa. I can't. Because I'm trapped. I'm under tribulation, a severe test of affliction. That was how the Macedonians were feeling. Maybe they've lost the business, the house burned down, the barns, you know, there might have been a virus among the cattle, and they lost their business. They were in a severe test of affliction. There was tribulation, but the Bible says there was also an abundance of joy. That in the midst of the problem, they were joyful. And then it says, they were in extreme Poverty. 
Mind you, Paul did not say they were in poverty. They were in extreme poverty. They were dirt poor. I scan this room and I don't see anybody in extreme poverty. Ibig po sabihin ng extreme poverty, you don't know what you're going to eat in the, in, after the service. Sa sobrang hirap mo, you don't have any food to eat. It was extreme poverty for them. They were having a hard time. But then the Bible says that they move in overflowing generosity. Overflowing means all around, which indicates abundance or surplus, exceeding beyond what is expected of them. There was overflowing. Parang maleta ng mga OFW. Right? It's overflowing. Okay? Right? 20 kilos lang, 35 yung dala. Right? Kaya daming penalty sa airport. Okay? Why? It's overflowing. They wanted to give. In all my hard work, I want to give. There was overflowing. And then it says, overflowing generosity. I tell you, this changed me the past few years. This truth changed me. When Paul says they were in a severe test of affliction, that they were so dirt poor, but they move in overflowing generosity, my mind wrestled with it. How can I give? How were the Macedonian churches able to move in generosity in the midst of big tribulation and extreme poverty? It doesn't make any sense. And then I look up the root word that Paul used when he wrote the letter, extreme generosity. It was the word haplotes in Greek, which means they move in extreme simplicity of life. Life was so simple. It made them so happy that they were able to give even in the midst of trials and extreme poverty. Simpling buhay. And it was overflowing simplicity of life. You look at them and you say, how come they're so happy? Because they understood what God said in Malachi. I am a Lord who does not change. They've experienced the grace of God. And now they could happily share whatever wealth they had. Life is so simple. How many of us here, life became complicated when you started having more? Maybe I've shared this with you before. In our early years of marriage, we were campus missionaries. We didn't know how much money will come every month. We were living by faith, technically, with regards to our finances. But our favorite restaurant was Tramway. You know Tramway? I think it's 238 now. Very expensive now. 12 years ago, it was 128 pesos. Birthday, wedding anniversary. We look at each other. Tramway. Kilig na kilig kami mag-tramway. We were in tramway. We were happy with the less than, it's a 200 you know, it was less than 300 pesos. But we were so happy. 
Life was so simple. We don't eat a tramway now for health reasons. <laughs> because of the nailu kami palagi pag nando kami. Para kang you were hit by a tram. Okay? Right? So, but oh, ha, grabe no? Ang saya-saya natin. We didn't need a hotel buffet. Saisaki was such a treat for us. Life is simple. We look at our lives today and we say, wow, everything we need, we have. Imagine if every Christian would think this way and live this way. Life is simple. Ilang relo meron ka? Sampo. Ilang nasusuot mo? Isa. Benta mo na yung Seiko mo. Ayun, okay. Now, again, this is not guilt trip. The reality of the world is, prosperity is very subjective. Contentment is not. Some of you might have three cars and that's a simple life. Some of you, you're able to afford Uber and that's a wow life. Some of you, 10,000 yung laman ng MRT card mo. Dahil niyaman mo, nag-MRT ka. Pero 10,000 yung load mo. Hindi tulad ng katabi mo, 88 pesos lang. It's very subjective. That's why I don't want to go there and say this should be the standard of... It depends on your culture, it depends on your background, it depends on the world you live in. But for the Macedonian church, the spirit behind their lifestyle was, life is so simple I could give. Okay. Sometimes it's us who makes it just complicated. That's why we could not give. city, I don't have money. And then later you're drinking an expensive coffee to complete your planner. A simple life would say, I don't need that planner. I want to give. Del gipitka. Now you work hard, you know, you want to get two planners, go. Again, depends on your context. It's living a very simple life. How much do you really need? How much would make you happy? Is this a never-ending, vicious cycle? That's why you cannot give. Sino sa inyo dito, you want, gusto nyong umaman? Taas ang kamay. Gusto mong umaman? Audience participation, please. Gusto mong umaman. Right? Yan yung problema ng lahat na nagtaas ng kamay. Right? Gusto mong umaman? I want to be rich. Are you not? We raise our hands because we think, I still need a certain level for me to be able to raise my hands. And that was me before. I couldn't give to real life because I need. I couldn't give to the poor because sindikato yan. But the real reason behind it is, sayang tong sampung piso ko. Because I'm also poor like you. Because in my mind, I was poor. I couldn't move in generosity. Until you understand life is simple. And then you say, wow, I am so rich because God has provided for all my needs. Not my wants, my needs. I'm so blessed. So the countenance and the spirit we must have as Christian is, if you have three cars, be grateful and be happy. 
If you have one car, be grateful and be happy. Contentment. You have no car, be grateful and be happy. Kasi pwede mong utusan yung driver. Mapara! Hindi ikaw yung nagda-drive. Sometimes it's a matter of perspective. The simple life. Our actions tell us who we are. Mm, ganyan yan kasi can be seen through our actions. Our theology, our belief is seen by how we handle money. Right? Simple life. That's why they were able to give. This is, yeah, this is such a powerful biblical concept. Kaya si Paul, daming topic about contentment. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to be in plenty. Right? I've been content in every way. Because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He was talking about finances. He was talking about contentment. He understood his God. He believed Malachi. He was a generous giver. Now, we go back to the Old Testament. There was an example in the New Testament. And then the Lord said to them, Return to me, I will return to you. How can we return to you? You're robbing me through tithes and offering. So, but then the Lord told them this. I will give you an offer you cannot refuse. Okay? Sa mga Godfather fans, alam nyo to. Alright? Here's an offer that you can't refuse. No man in his right mind would refuse this offer. Malachi 3 verse 10. He says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, says the Lord. And thereby put me to test. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more what? Need. Give me your tithe. Bring it to the local church, into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. We're going to bless the city through our local church. But bring it here. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing. That there will not be enough room for you. It would cover all your needs. I'm blessing you. But then he did not end there. He said, if you call now, there's more. Verse 11. He tells us this. I will rebuke the devourer for you. So that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. And your vine in the field shall not fail to, to bear, says the Lord of hosts. The Lord knew. When I start blessing you, somebody wants to devour the blessing. It's Satan and his demons wanting to destroy you and devour the blessings. John 10, 10, the thief came to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus came that you might have life and life to the full. Return to me, I will return to you. Almost the same wordings that were used. God was after us. And he says, when the devil wants to steal from you, I will rebuke the devourer can actually pray that over your business. Lord, I'm a giver. I'm a generous child of God. Therefore, I rebuke the works of the enemy over my business. This business is going to succeed. This business will have the hand of God and the favor of God in it because I'm a giver. And I affirm the covenant that I have with you. There's power because of the promise that God made. I will rebuke the devourer. I will make your soil fruitful says the Lord of hosts. 
Then in verse 12, he says, Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. People outside would look at you and say, Krabi is so blessed. It's now a land of delight, not a land that's full of curse. He's not living a cursed life where it's all about him and his pursuit of happiness. You look at him and he says, wow, look at him in the relationships that abound in his life. He is a blessed man. She is a blessed daughter of God. This is what the Lord says. An offer you can't refuse. And what was the requirement? Give me one ball that I actually gave you. Change of perspective. Now, some of you are saying, okay, okay, yeah, nice, nice. Good, good. Good point, good point. But I'm still not convinced. Because Wikipedia told me that tithing is for the old and it's not for the new. We should practice the New Testament. Okay. I'll go to the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 9. And I'm saying this in the spirit that I want, God wants your heart, not your money. Look at 2 Corinthians 9. This is the verse that everybody wants to use when they don't want to give their tithe. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Uh Mm -hmm. You see, you see? What I decide in my heart, not the law of the Old Testament. Pare context. That's 2 Corinthians 9. You remember the text that I just shared earlier? 2 Corinthians 8. Paul just gave an example of the Macedonian church. And if you study verse 8, look at what verse 8 said. The Macedonians were begging earnestly that they may partake of the relief of the saints. This were the church who was so poor in tribulation, and they were begging. Nakakita na kayo ng beggar? You saw a beggar? There's a lot of beggars downstairs. Kuya, yeah, yeah. Will not stop until you open your window and give some. We'll sing a song. We'll put soap on your window and start cleaning it. They're begging. And Paul says, they were begging earnestly. Kuya Paul, sige na, saya sa kami, nagtabi kami kanina ng limang piso. We want to give. No, 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 don't give. I know the tribulation you've gone through. Nasunugan kayo. Wala kayong pe- Kuya, sige na, kuya, kailangan ko. I'm begging you, earnestly. Which means there was a struggle. No, don't, don't give. We should give to you. No, kuya. I really want to give for the relief of the saints. You need relief. No, they need relief. Because I live a simple life. I have 15 pesos. May I give the five to you? That was the spirit. Imagine if every Christian would have the same spirit. Begging. Imagine 100,000 of Victory Metro Manila. All of the Christians are saying, Kuya, kuya, please, please. Akin na. Mag-ambag-ambag kami para mapuno yung noche. Pwede na ng eco bag na blue. Begging earnestly. 
May I do something for the kingdom of God. Their issue was not 10%. They might be giving 50-60%. So when Paul was saying, each one must give in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, what he's saying is, he wants a cheerful giver like the Macedonian churches, who are not even counting. They've decided at home, crush the piggy bank, Uy, may 15 pesos, let's give 5. Kasi kakain tayo ng pandesal mamaya. And they were begging, please let us partake of the relief of the saints. Then Paul said this, you want to make an issue about, about giving? Okay. I'll go back to verse 6. The point is this. May punto raw. Here's the point. You want to give 1% to the Lord out of the 100% He gave you? Go. Who's stopping you? That's my point. Paul was saying, you want to debate? You debate on your own. Go. Give 3, give 5. But the point is this. You sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. You give a little, you sow a little. You give bountifully, you reap bountifully. That's the point. So don't debate. Don't think the church is after your money. No, God is after your heart. Paul was saying, that's my point. God loves a cheerful giver. You give 1%, you reap 1%. That's the whole point. Look at verse 7. 8, chapter 8, verse 7. But as you excel in everything, you excel in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness, in your love for you, see that you also excel in this act of grace also. The grace of giving. Excel means surpassing. Ordinary, excel means extraordinary. Ordinary, 10%. Extraordinary, exceed, overflow. Adjust your lifestyle so you could give more. That was what Paul was saying. Excel in this grace of giving. But look, and I want you to look at this. This is so liberating. Verse 8, 2 Corinthians 8, 8. I say this not as a command. Sa Tagalog, guys, walang pilitan to, ah. Not telling you to go home and calculate 10%. This is not a command. But to prove. <laughs> Far deeper than the command. To prove it's an evidence of the earnestness of others that your love also to Christ is genuine. What was Paul saying? Oh, generosity, by the way, is not a command. It's who you are. I'm not commanding you. That's you. Christians are to be the most generous people in the world. 
So don't quote all the new, because in the New Testament, they gave 23%, according to church history. Because they excel in the grace of giving. Nobody was in need. Wala nangangailangan. Basic needs covered. That's the essence of community. Paul was saying, I'm not commanding you to, to, to give 10. I'm telling you, you're generous people. It's up to you. So decide in your own heart what you want to give. Understanding this is who you are already. God loves a cheerful giver. And then Paul preaches the gospel to them. I'll tell you why you can do that. Why you can give more. Why you can be a simple Christian. Simple lifestyle so you can give more. I'll tell you why. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The same grace that He's given the church. That though He was rich, yet for your sake, He became poor so that you by His poverty might become rich. If you start to weave together Malachi and Corinthians, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Look at this. Christ came down and His richness became poor like one of us so that you through His poverty might become rich. It's an invitation. You return to me, I return to you. I want you to experience me. Never will you say again, I need the latest gadget to complete me. Never will you say again, I need a spouse to complete me. I will complete you. Return to me. I will return to you. Tithes and offering, that's only one example. I want you, not your money. The Lord does not change. This is the same God that talks to us today. In the midst of abundance in our nation today. In the midst of all the marketing telling you, you need this, you need that. Uh, Don't go simple. Go all in with material things. You have to go back and reassess life. Am I living in simplicity so that I could be more to others and give more to others? Has Christ really satisfied me? Does Christ really complete me? Or should I add something else? It's our choice. But I just want to remind you, as Paul reminded them, this is who we are. We're generous people because we've experienced the generosity of Christ. Let's bow down our heads as pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for your overflowing generosity over our lives. Thank you that you are a father who does not change. You're the same yesterday. You're the same God of Malachi. You're the same today. You're the same forever. You will not change. You're gracious. You're loving. You're inviting. Telling us, return to me. I will return to you. I'll give you an offer you cannot refuse. I will pour out so much blessing upon you. 
but I want you to return to me. Lord, today I know this would be a day of returning for some prodigals in the house. A returning back to you. Some of us, Lord, it's exposed through how we handle our finances and how stingy we could get when it comes to giving. Lord, I don't want to live a cursed life where my God is mammon, where my God is money. I want you to be my God. I want you to take control. I don't want stuff or things to control me. I want you to control me. Lord, that nations would look and they would say, that man and woman is blessed. They live in the land of delight. I pray that would be us. That would be our story. You just heard a message from Victory. For more messages like these or to access other resources, please visit victory.org.ph or like our page on Facebook.